0: You're listening to The Weighing In Podcast, the show that brings you inside The Daily Gazette's featured news column. And now, here's your host,
1: writer of The Weighing In Column, Andrew Waite. I own a Stewart's beanie, and I wear it often. I'm telling you about my winter hat only because I want to tell you that, like any good son of upstate New York... I'm a bit of a Stewart's evangelist, and I even wrote a column about my love for Stewart's last holiday season. But this week, frankly, the entire Stewart's brand got called into question for me. As you've probably heard, the chain of more than 350 convenience stores in New York and Vermont announced this week that it was closing an Albany location, a legacy non-gas store at the corner of Manning Boulevard and Central Avenue in Albany. And for the first time in the company's history, the closure wasn't about money, but it was instead about crime. And the company issued a press release citing an uptick of theft and robberies and threats of violence that made the store too dangerous to operate, according to the company. And I think a lot of people took this news and said, wow, if even Stewart's a staple of the community can't stomach it, things must be pretty bad. And to be honest, I was set to write a column that said as much. But then the more reporting I did and the more reporting I read from others, I, I just started to think differently about how to interpret this closure, because no one is doubting that the Beverwick and West End neighborhoods have their problems. I live not all that far from there down Manning Boulevard. We skate at Swinburne Park in winters. There's crime, homelessness, drug use. It's a serious problem. But if Stewarts were truly interested in investing in communities as their brand purports, they could have stayed. They could have continued to be a community partner. As Stewart's president, Gary Dake, told me, the store that closed Thursday was actually a profitable store. But they closed it because they said crime was getting worse. And protecting employees, absolutely Im- important. And on the one hand, it's admirable that, this, that Stewart's would put employee safety over profit. <sighs> but they were saying that Crime was getting worse, when in actuality, police data show that there have been no reports of violent incidents this year, compared to four reports of violent incidents and three robberies last year. So people in the neighborhood kind of felt like things still. There's still a long way to go, but there's no reason to abandon ship here. And Albany Common Council's 11th Ward District Representative Alfredo Ballarin. He said they had a conversation. He, along with people in the mayor's office, the the Albany Police Department, and Stewart's officials, they had a meeting at the very Stewart's, the Central Avenue Stewart's, last summer, and talked about how to keep the store open. And out of that came uh, plans for creating a portal in which Stewart's would have uh, better would have a way to report nonviolent crimes and have better communication with the police, but instead, Stewart's chose to leave. And I was able to talk with Gary Dake about this, and I'm going to play you that interview. Um, But there's, what I wanted to point out, there was something that stuck out to me from that interview, and it's with this closure, with Stewart's closure, it's now part of a rash of closures in the neighborhood. Most recently, the ShopRite on Central Avenue is one of the five Capital Region locations that's closing imminently. And with that closure, you now have grocery stores going and Stewart's leaving. There was a pharmacy that left. And it's all toward possibly creating a food desert or exacerbating the existence of a food desert. And I asked Gary Dake directly about whether creating a food desert or helping to contribute to it factored into the company's decision at all. And he said, yeah, they considered it, but at the end of the day, they are not a social service business. And for me, that's kind of it. A lot of us feel like Stewart's is central to our upstate New York identity. And I think I still do feel that, and that they're a neighborhood gathering spot in so many communities. And all of that remains true, but at the end of the day, they are a for-profit company, and they're going to do what they can to advance, your, advance their own cause, plain and simple. And so, I wrote a column uh, as much saying as much, and you can check that out. It's on our website. I'm not going to read it uh, on this podcast today. Uh, I'm just going to play with play you the interview that I had with Gary Dake, because I think it's important to hear from him directly. And I'll just warn you that uh, we spoke while I was driving. So the phone quality is not, uh, the audio quality is not as good as it could be, though. Jim Gilbert is a magician. He handles production and he he fixed it up um, and edited a bit. So it is just a little bit trimmed down uh, and cleaned up. Um, so you can hear directly from Gary Dake and decide for yourself. Here's that interview.
0: You're listening to the Way In podcast with columnist Andrew Wait.
2: What's uh, what's going on with this store? I mean, what can you point to specifically that's been uh, you know, so problematic here of late? Well, yeah, it, it's a it's a whole
0: variety of things. I mean, we're not we're not strangers when it comes to stores in inner cities. And sure, it, it's been really interesting as you look at um, you know Henry Johnson Boulevard store in Albany. Yeah, uh, brandy wine Schenectady, Cork Street in Utica, they're all in what people would consider to be tough neighborhoods, but usually in, in those three situations in particular, and there are others, um, you know, even though that the neighborhoods are not what you know, are, are considered to be great neighborhoods, there's enough of a neighborhood culture that people kind of watch out for the store a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, They'll, they'll just try to, you know, keep the bad actors in check a little, you know. But as for whatever reason, and, and the Manning Boulevard shop, um it just it was becoming a never-ending sea of, and a lot of it was little stuff. I mean, yeah. there are the, the big cases where, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I got an email of a, a guy came in and just started loading up a duffel bag with product. So, you know, the, the social media account, the, the partner says, "Hey, you got to put that back." I mean, yeah. and the guy throws a pot of coffee at him. Oh, I mean, I mean that, that, that kind of stuff. When you get to that level, I mean, that's that's not fair to the you know. I, I, I've got a lot of great people working in these stores and sure. you know, they don't deserve to be treated that way and you know, it's, you know items like that were just becoming more and more prevalent and you know the, the city of Albany they, they gave it a, a good shot um, you know they um, you know, we, we worked with the mayor's office, we worked with uh, you know, the city council, and we worked with the police department, and, yeah. and I, you know, I give them credit for trying, but I, I don't know what the, the route is, but that, you know, that neighborhood just is, um, you know, it's, it's becoming just hard to and said
2: it's just not fair to you know ask people to go work in that environment so what specifically like how specifically were you working with the city police department and the mayor like what were some of the specific strategies that were tried or
0: um, you know, they,
2: they tried to give us, I mean, the, the police department in Albany has got a tough
0: job, you know, and I can't, you know, and we had some, you know, my staff, I wasn't in the conversations personally, but my staff and the you know, representative sat down and, and talked about, um, you know, giving us, you know, good ways to communicate when there are problems that they could deal with. Um, you know, another, they gave us a way to report, you know, nonviolent, non-immediate crimes If we have, if we had shoplifters, we could, you know, they gave us a, a portal to be able to put the information in so that they could pursue it when, um, you know, when it, it worked for them, you um, you know, cause, you know I don't expect them uh, to have a police officer standing inside the shop or coming every time we have a shoplifter. There are bigger problems than that in the city of Albany. I I totally understand that, but um, so, you know, I don't, I don't deserve special treatment. But um, you know, and, you know and I don't, like I said, I don't have, I don't have those problems to that magnitude at uh, the, you know, the other stores in Albany. So, um, and, you know, it, it's not a city, it's not a city of Albany Police Department problem.
2: Yeah. And do you have any sort of data, or was there a straw that broke the camel's back here? I mean, was that coffee pot incident kind of thing, or like the
0: yeah, coffee? We had been contemplating this for a while and, um, you know, it's, you know, the coffee pot incident certainly accelerated my timeline a little bit. (laughs) That
2: was what I just said, already we got to pull the plug here. It was probably going to happen sometime, you know, after the holidays anyway. But uh, at that point it was just enough, enough, I don't want to get somebody hurt. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, how, just how has the store, has the store been struggling financially too? Is that a piece of it?
0: Um, you know, the, the,
2: the store is making
0: money. It's not a top performer. It's a non gas store. It's a, it's a you know, medium, probably a, probably a, you know, it's below average in total volume. Um, you know, but it, it was still making money. It wasn't what, um, profit maximization moves to close this store. like, you know, we've had others that that's you know, the reason we closed them is we simply can't, you know, drive, just, if the business has evolved, but in that store, it, it wasn't the money. It really, you even if you, um, if we were making, we weren't losing the money on, on, um, if we were on, uh, shoplifting, cause even after the shoplifting, we were still profitable, but, um, it, it's, yeah, there's, yeah. There, there's this, sort of this way, there's, there are not many stores where I would trade um, a Parker Safety for
2: um, you know more money on the bottom line. Yeah. that's just that's a very short term situation? Have you ever I closed a store because of crime before? Not, that I, not in my 20 years at the helm. Wow. Um,
0: so you know, okay. I, I don't believe we have. Um, you know, there, there have been. It's, it's usually, for us, most of our store closings are either we can no longer provide the service as we try to expand or we find a better location.
1: Uh, We've built down the street from places before, um, but it's usually uh, either that or um, lack of you know, lack of profitability. And I guess with
2: the press release, and this is what struck, I think, a lot of people, it's just, you know, Fairly explicit in terms of problems, and, and I guess uh, why why make the decision to be so explicit in the press release about crime uh, being the reason that this store is closing, rather than just saying we're, we're closing this store. Well, yeah, you know, there's been a lot of
0: conversation. I mean, obviously, given your profession, you follow the news, and there's a lot of the news about about this uh, this issue, nationally. Um, you know, and you know, it, it, this is part of a bigger narrative, really, and you know, it, it's just sort of a um, you know an opportunity to you know, get people talking about it and figuring out maybe maybe it'll be something that spurs somebody to come up with a solution.
2: Yeah, and I mean, is there a way to, like, say,
1: you know, it, what are the, well, the problems tenfold different than, or, you know, m- worse than at, say, the Brandywine stores? Because I mean, obviously, at those stores, you must be also dealing with similar kinds of issues, I mean, at least to some degree.
0: Yeah, if you think about any group of people, there's you know you've got to, you know more or less a bell curve of you know people that are really nice and people that are really really you know unpleasant and most of the people fall in the middle and for, you know, like I said this shop there were just more people at the the wrong end of the curve. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I don't have stats. Yeah. This isn't something that was a there was some you know a, you know quantitative formula to determine when sure. to close the store based on you know, how many, how many people swore at somebody working behind the counter. Yeah. Um, but it, it had just become unrelenting. And as I said, when it, when it got to the point where nobody wanted to work there, and yeah. I, I don't mean to say nobody, there are people sure. that still, you know, the, 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 the folks that were in that store, um, you know, were troopers. But when trying to get somebody from another store to go there, yeah. Um, you know, get, but the end of the point, you have to beg people to go pull a shift in that store. Mm-hmm. You know that that tells you that you know it's you, you really shouldn't. You know we we try to be a, a refuge and a fun place to go, yeah, a pleasant totally. place to be, right? And you know yeah, it just wasn't happening.
2: Yeah. And wh- when was this decision actually made? Actually finalized?
0: we made the final decision probably two weeks ago oh wow okay Okay.
2: is when we made the final decision and when was that coffee pot incident it was right before that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So that really what that really was just yeah. like you it, mean, it was yeah. it was
0: a, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. We'd had yeah. a lot of discussions about it because we go through. I mean, we're we're running a business. We go through <laughs> and uh, have a conversation about once every three months about are there stores that. You know, we should we should take a look at closing and sure. you know, other new real estate opportunities. That because uh, sometimes you build a new store and it it puts an old store out of business. And it, when we opened, you know, um you know, McClanning and uh, you know in. Street in, uh, in Connectity, a lot of
1: others connected these stores lost business to it. I mean, that's what happens when you infill. And, mm-hmm. you know, we haven't had to close anybody there, but we're, we're certainly going to be watching every other store
0: nearby to see how it gets affected. And, yeah, you know, so there's a, there are regular discussions and, yep. you know, this one
1: just kept coming up.
2: And then the one thing I wanted to ask about
1: is, you know, I mean, part of what people love about Stewart's is that it's, you know, it's 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 a one-stop shop. I mean, you can get eggs, you can get milk, you can even get fresh produce. Like, you know, I mean, it's not not, not the fly to the grocery store but still and so in a neighborhood like where that where the manning boulevard one was i mean you know are you worried that it it can create a bit of a food desert in some way i mean is that is that has that crossed your mind like here was it was a place that people could depend on maybe yeah you
0: know it, it, it it came up in the conversation um for sure i mean we and uh you know we we gave that some weight we decided not to let that um, uh you know, be a deciding factor i mean i think um you know we had a conversation with one albany politician mm-hmm. who said that you know he didn't believe that it was you know uh, that it was going to be a food desert situation okay. he said most people in you know most people in albany are are able to find you know sure. find food downtown and a, a tremendous number of them are are driving out to um right you know, supermarkets and so, but, but yes the conversation came up I mean yeah. uh, you know,
2: in the end we are not a uh, you know we are, we are not a social service business and,
0: sure sure um, you know we, we did give the you know the mayor's office a uh, heads up that we were going to do this before we did it uh, right yeah obviously not as much time as they probably would have liked because, mm, right yeah, and you know I also knew that as soon as I uh, called the mayor's office I was going to you know the first conference was going to be to try to talk me out of it right Exactly. Yeah. She did her job, she tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah And I and I don't blame her for that.
2: Yeah.
0: I would expect Mayor McCarthy to talk more right. of it if I tried of to call of course. him yeah. it's connected to, to That's what they're supposed to do.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate the call and appreciate uh, all the insights you shared. You um yeah. You know, you've been you've been a big help. So thanks for uh thanks for giving the call. All right,
2: Andrew. All right, thanks, Gary. Yeah.
0: you 're listening to the Way and in podcast with columnist Andrew Wait
1: and now we 'll turn to reader response uh, and i 'm just going to focus on one piece uh, last week, I wrote about this whole situation in Rotterdam where The town shut down, or allegedly shut down, a drag queen story hour at the Pretty Paw Cat Lounge. And that story was getting a lot of buzz with pretty much people, even if they didn't agree with the idea of a drag queen story hour, especially a kid-friendly drag queen story hour, which social media made it seem like this was going to be a kid-friendly event. Even if they didn't agree with the idea of that event, they did feel like the town had overreached in its decision to send a zoning officer to basically investigate this, this specific. Uh, event when they don't investigate other events or investigate other businesses. And so uh, the, the responses were generally um, expressing dismay uh, toward, toward the town. And some people just wrote, bravo, got some thumbs up. But here's just, I'll share a couple uh, more detailed responses. This is from Lois in Una. She wrote, Andrew, you have a unique way of making me really think deeply about my beliefs and feelings. I love that about your writing. I so appreciate the facts that you present. I think instilling fear is the way to manipulate and divide people. Unfortunately, it seems to be working well in many different scenarios. Thank you for your well-investigated journalism that makes me evaluate and re-evaluate my thoughts and feelings. I I expect you will be getting a lot of reactions to this article. I hope it made people think before reacting. Thank you. And then, from Bob in Princetown... He uh, says he typically enjoys the, the column. I had, and then he writes, I had somehow missed the kerfuffle over the drag queen story hour at Pretty Paws. I live in Prince on the Rotterdam border, and apparently I need to get out more. I think your column could be summed up in one of your beginning sentences, and that sentence is, but one thing's clear, the situation reflects exactly what happens when local officials succumb to the culture wars. And Bob writes, Rotterdam has a long history of spirited politics, but the last few years have really made me wonder. When Joseph Mastriani noted for his incendiary social media postings on 9-11 and COVID and disdain for masks was elected, I knew he had entertainment potential. When he persuaded the town board to vote 4-0 to fund an election audit, I was impressed by his leadership skills and powers of persuasion. Clearly, an energetic reporter could find considerable story material just by following him around. More seriously, I'm saddened to see this drag queen nonsense taking root in our area. As a retired librarian, I've been following with increasing alarm the story of the disaster at the Rockwell Falls Public Library in Lake Luzerne after a proposed drag queen program and the ensuing fallout. Most of the staff quit, the library is closed, and some of the board resigned. I've told some of my colleagues you know, we could be next. Looks like I was more right than I knew. Keep up the good fight. That's it for this week's episode of the podcast. No episode next week with Thanksgiving happening. Thanks to Aaron Palaya, who handles marketing for this podcast, and to Jim Gilbert again, who does wonders on production. I'm Andrew Waite. Take care.